Well, I just want to read the verse again. Jesus speaking, John 15, 10. He says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And the title of our message today is Experiencing the Authentic Love of God. Well, let's just say that I wanted to sell you what I said to you was a very, very valuable coin. And I showed it to you. And you looked at the top at the inscription, you thought, wow, this really looks valuable and, and, and old and quite unique. And, and then you flipped it over, and it only had one side written on it. It was a one-sided American coin. Would you buy it? Now, if you are into coin collecting, by the way, the name of the study of coins is numismatics. So if you're a numismatician, however they call themselves, uh, you might be wondering, is it an error in coin production? And when there are errors in coin productions, like double stampings on a coin and stuff like that, those can be worth a lot of money. But if it wasn't that, you would just say to me, this coin is a fraud, it's worthless, and if you bought it, you know, you would feel ripped off. But that's what happens to a lot of Christians when it comes to the way that they live. It's easy to be ripped off by this, by bad teaching and by bad information. Interestingly enough, it happens in the realm of the way we live, and the way we live actually relates to our experience of the love of God. Believe it or not, true joy in the Christian life is intricately intertwined with our way of life, which includes, when we're living according to the Word of God, a deep-down assurance that we belong to Jesus. But as we saw last week, that's not legalism. That's, we're not saved by the way that we, we live. It's an indicator that we are saved. We're not sinless, but Lord willing, we start to sin less. And now if somebody's piling on a bunch of ridiculous rules, that's another subject for another day. That is legalism. And, and this, is nothing, this is nothing new, that our relationship with God is intertwined with the way we live. That's the way it went in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve obeyed the Lord, they were happy. When they did not obey the Lord, they had what we might call self-inflicted consequences. So in Jesus, light of Jesus' words, let's set the scene. It's the night before the cross. The Last Supper is over. And Jesus is giving his last instructions to his apostle before he dies on the cross and rises from the dead, which would, you know, it's like anything else. If you have last-minute instructions, that you know they're, they're really, really important. And in John 15, he is critical to understanding the Christian life, this passage that we've been in for the past few weeks. And he's talking about being close to him, and he uses the illustration of a vine, or a grapevine, if you will, and a branch, which is an offshoot. So Jesus is the vine, we are the branch, and we are to abide, we are to remain attached to Jesus. And uh, last week we looked at chapter 15, verses 9 through 11. I just want to read them again. Jesus said, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10, our focus for today, he says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
And then he closed up this section, verse 11. These things, what things? The things from verses 1 through 10. So verse 11 is kind of a summary. I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Now, sometimes we talk about in the Bible about something called sandwiching. Some people call it bracketing, but, you know, I like food, so I'll call it, I'll call it sandwiching, where you have the two pieces of bread and the meat in the middle. So if you take verses 9 through 11, which are different than verses 1 through 8, you have the, the, the bread would be verses 9 and 11, and then the meat would be verse 10. That means that verse 10 is also the last of these things. So let's read it again. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So Jesus says that, then he summarizes verses 1 through 10, before Jesus moves into the practical expression of this teaching, which will actually be our next series. This series is The Abiding Christian. The next series will have to do with what love does. When someone is a follower of Jesus, what does Jesus' love work out through their lives look like? Jesus is teaching us that we can continually enjoy his love, but our part, remember there's God's part and there's our part, we said that, that this was our greatest responsibility probably as a Christian. Our part is to abide in the vine, which means our part is not to become detached from the vine. So how do we become detached? I just want to say something from the outset to, be, to you know, let us admit something. We often don't know when we're detached. That's a, that's a big part of the problem is detaching is sometimes a, a major event, but other times it sort of slowly happens over time. And as we'll see when we look through verse 10 more carefully, when people are not following the word of God, they are detached. Even if they say to you, and I call this one of the Christian smokescreens, they're disobeying the word of the Lord, and this is what they say to you. I have a peace about it. I'm like, no, 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 no. That actually gives me nightmares. And, and you think, oh, well, you know, what can I say to that? Loved ones, if you love the person you're talking to, you got to press into that. It's just like people say to you, uh, well, the Lord told me. And you're like, well, how can I trump what the Lord told you? Loved ones, sometimes with people who are doing things that are not in keeping with the word of God, you have to press into it and, you know, really, the demonst it is a demonstration uh, of love. It's a scary place to be, to disobey the word of the Lord and to be able to say, I have a peace about it. It's a very bad place to be. You say, well, why is that so bad? Remember the, the Jesus' sober warning in verse 6 of this chapter, John 15, 6, he said, If anyone does not abide in me, if anyone is not attached to me, remember the vine and the branches, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. Remember we said he's not, he's not a branch, he's just a stick. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. And that would be symbolic of hell. That would mean that some, Jesus is saying 
that if you're not attached to him, he's saying he's the, another way of him saying he's the only way to heaven, which he's already said in, at the Last Supper, Jesus is saying, if you're not attached to me, you're not going to go to heaven. However, here in our verses, that we're, the verse we're looking at, and in, in thinking about experiencing the authentic love of God, I mean, you can say you know the love of God, but if you want to experience the authentic love of God, it's directly related to Jesus' words, abide in my love. And abiding is a mark of a true believer. Abiding is a mark of a true follower of Jesus, and abiding is being connected and staying close to Jesus. It is learning from Jesus it is resting in Jesus, it is following Jesus, it is serving Jesus, and it is trusting in Jesus. Quite simply, abiding is being constantly aware, and I, I realize there's other things we do throughout the day and we, we kind of lose track of it, but we're generally coming back to it at some point. Abiding is being constantly aware of Jesus' love for me, or you, and doing our best with God's help to live a cross-centered life, a life that gives up its rights, a life that serves God because we are not our own. We were bought with a price, the scripture tells us. And so we live that cross-centered, sacrificial for God life out of the love that Jesus has for us. So we abide when his word is our passion and keeping his commands are our delight. L let me repeat that so we, we understand. We abide when his word is our passion and keeping his commands are our delight. Why? Because we are in Jesus love. The book of Jude only has one chapter, so you could just say Jude verse 21 or Jude 121 says this, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now look at the beginning that he says, keep yourselves in the love of God, or the idea is stay in the love of God. So the idea is the same thing as, as Jesus was telling us at the beginning of this chapter. It's something we have to be intentional about. It just doesn't happen on its own. It's something that we are keenly aware of that we need to be constantly abiding in Christ. Now, would you like an example of someone who abides in Christ? I have a perfect example. Sorry, it's not you and it's not me. It's Jesus. He's the perfect example of, of someone who ab ab was abiding in the Father's love. And if you don't believe me, read the Gospels and, and just really say to yourself, I'm going to focus on how Jesus is abiding in the Father's love. On earth, Jesus was one with the Father. He said, I and my Father are one. Jesus knew that God the Father's love was upon him. And Jesus abided in his Father's love by staying close to his Father, basically 24-7.
And so here in verse 10, Jesus is teaching us that there's a connection between the experience of, God, of Jesus' love and obeying the word of God. Let's look at verse 10 again. Jesus says, if you. Very important terminology. If you keep my commandments, if you do that, result, you will abide in my love. And then look what he says. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So, so there's, there's, there's a comparison there, a correlation there. You abide in my love. You keep my commandments, and you'll be abiding in my love the same way I did with my father. It's almost like Jesus is telling the apostles, and remember the apostles are representative disciples, so that Jesus is telling us that the secret sauce of abiding and experiencing God's love is, as Jesus said, to keep my commandments. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, do whatever you want. No, that's not what he said. If you love me, keep my commandments. Very interesting. Notice verse chapter 14, verse 15, and our verse today, chapter 15, verse 10, both begin with the words, if you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, if you really into this topic of abiding, much of the letter of 1 John, that's what it's about. 1 John 2, 6 says this, he who says, and we can say whatever we want about our faith, he's going to say, you might say this, but this is how we know it's real. He who says he abides in him. So somebody who says they're a follower of Jesus ought himself to walk just as he walked. In other words, if we're going to say that we're a follower of Jesus, we ought to ourselves walk or live the way Jesus did in abiding in his love. So once again, we have one of those two-sided coins. Our response to Christ's love proves our love or not for him. And the other side is that when we respond in obedience to Christ's love, you flip the coin over and it keeps us in his love. You might think of it this way. Our obedience is an expression of our love and it also enables us to experience the authentic love of God. Not just that, well, God loves everybody kind of thing. Now, there's something I want us to be very, very careful of. When it says here, uh, if you, that might make it sound to some of you something like this. Well, if you mess up, you're out of heaven. Don't come back. It's too late. It's too late. Uh, let's think about that. I think it's better to think of it this way, and we just said it, and we're just going to reword it a couple different ways, that our obedience is a result of the experience of Jesus' love for us and our loving him in return. So he loves us. The scripture says he loved us before we loved him. And then we experience his love and then we respond to him in return. So again, our, our obedience is a two-sided coin. 
our obedience is on the one side empowered by the love of God, empowered by the grace of God. So that's one side of the coin. And you flip over the other side and it is empowered by our gratitude to him, by our love for him, by our desire to live for him. So, so God's part is his love and his grace. Our part is the desire to respond to that love with gratitude. And here's the truth of the matter, is that those who abide in Christ are very concerned with obeying Christ. I think that might be worth saying again. Those who abide in Christ are very concerned with obeying Christ, and that abiding empowers and fuels their obedience. Now, some of you might want to say, I, I, I still think that's legalism. I, that's what I've been taught. That's what I've been taught. I've been taught it doesn't matter how, how you live. All right. I believe that you're a very, very smart person. And let's just think about this for a second. Just, just think about this for a second. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross in your place in your, for your sins for you to continue to living in ways that are contrary to the way he says to live? I mean, that's just silly. That's just silly. Dare I say, if you don't care about living the way Christ would want you to live, that's not evidence that you're free. That's more evidence that you have rejected Christ, not that you have received him as your Lord and Savior. Now, you may have said a prayer, but you'll know the difference is is in the way you live your life and in the way you think. Romans 8.1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. To which a lot of people will say, praise the Lord. That, that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Now, my version continues and says this, you have to keep on reading. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You see, what is a characteristic of someone who is in Christ Jesus? They don't walk. Their way of life is not according to the flesh, not according to their sinful nature, but according to the Spirit according to the word of the Lord. Some people will fight back, the pushback. I can feel it already. I can feel it already. I'm about grace, Pastor Jim. I'm about grace, Pastor Jim. Me too. Me too. Verse we cite often, love it. Titus 2, verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that... Now, let's stop right there. Some people today, and there's a lot of it around the church, in what we call hyper-grace teaching, teaches that it really doesn't matter how you live your life because God will forgive all your sins, 
and God will give you the desires of your heart. No connection to the fact that we live our lives in response to God. No connection to the fact that the desires of our heart as followers of Jesus and as a result of studying his word is his desires become our desires. It's really just one big appeal to covetousness and, and doing what you would like to do. But the Apostle Paul says that the grace of God, verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. That's what grace teaches us. Grace does not teach us, they call it greasy grace, that we do whatever we'd like. So it's so important for us to see that the effect of Christ's love for us and being filled with, with that love, will dramatically change us. Dramatically change us. The experience of the love of Jesus produces in us obedience that is joyful and not a painful burden. And if you're full of the love of God and the joy of God, if you don't know, you'll have to experience it for yourself obedience will actually become much easier. Now, there's still indwelling sin. There's still some things we're going to have, we're going to need to depend upon God for. And you say, I wish he would take it all away. I actually kind of don't. Because if, G, if the Lord took away all of our indwelling sin, what would you need him for? And so indwelling sin, although we don't like it, it still keeps us on our knees. It still keeps us repenting. It still keeps us coming back to God. But remember, we talked about this last week. 1 John 5, 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Why are they not burdensome? If we are filled with the love of God. If we are abiding in him. And, and what we receive in return for our obedience is the constant awareness of the Lord's approval. Remember we said in an earlier study, do you actually believe that God could be pleased with you? Simple little things. Simple little things. Students, you're tempted to cheat on a test, and you want to go look at the paper next to you, and the Lord says, keep your eye on your own paper. And you don't even get the grade that you wanted to get. Maybe you get in trouble. Maybe you get grounded. No video games. No cell phone. Ah! Am I right? <laughs> Whatever. But the Lord's pleased. The Lord's pleased. We also, we get the constant awareness of the Lord's approval. We get the constant awareness when we're in, walking in obedience. We are getting the, we're getting the constant awareness of his presence and the constant awareness of his pleasure. Plus, we will sense are remaining in the love of Jesus similar in a way that Jesus himself remains in the Father's love. So heartfelt obedience, willing obedience to the word of God is a fruit of a changed life. It is, it is the evidence of becoming what the book of 2 Corinthians calls a new creation. It is the fruit of being converted, having a converted heart, and, and, and having a new heart. You say, what does that look like? Well, we'll go to one of the uh, Old Testament examples of that, Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19 through 21. Ezekiel says, 
or the Lord speaking, says, then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. God says, your heart is hard towards me, but when you put your trust in me, I'm gonna take that hard heart out and I'm gonna give you a new heart, one that is soft towards me. So, so when you sin, you will become aware of it. Verse 20, that they may, what? Do what they want? No, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. But for those, as for those whose hearts follow the desire of their, of their detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense, that word means to repay, their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. So a lot of the people of God in Israel would have said, well, we're God's people. God's like, you just can't do what you want. He says the same thing to people. You could say, well, I'm Christian. God's like, no, no, no. I want you to have a soft heart towards me. I'm willing to give you a soft heart towards me, but if you don't want to live the way I'm asking you to and you don't care about it, that is an indication to you that you have not been converted, that you're not really a follower of Jesus, that, that you have a hard heart towards God. Now, some of you are saying, this is really hard, Pastor Jim. Jesus told the Pharisees in John's Gospel, I'm telling you these things so you could be saved. That's why, that's why Jesus tells us these things, so we know the truth. Now, some of you might be sitting there right now going like, Pastor Jim, are you saying that abiding or remaining in Jesus is, is conditional upon our obeying Jesus? I mean, is that, what you're, I mean, is that really what you're saying? No, I am not. Jesus is saying it. I'm not saying it. He's saying that's how you're going to know you're abiding in me. If you, if you obey me, then you can know that you are abiding in me. Now you say, but I can't keep his commandments perfectly. Amen. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen out there? That's why you and I need a Savior. That's why you and I need to cry out to the Lord Jesus to save us. You see, the good news is, is when you turn to God and put your trust in Jesus, God credits you with Jesus' perfection. He credits you with Jesus' perfect life. You have the forgiveness of sins, and you are pardoned for all of your failures. Plus, once again, this is key. Obedience with God's help is how you and I stay in that place of the experience of God pouring out his divine love on us. Please, loved ones, don't fall into the hyper-grace mentality that it doesn't matter how you live. Your attitude, my attitude, our effort demonstrate our love for God. It's not like we're trying to prove it to God. <laughs> it's really we're trying to prove it to ourselves. If we're openly and honest, open and honest with ourselves, we'll have to say, Do, does my life really reflect that I love God? Don't, don't fall into the trap either of that being a good person is how you get to heaven. 
Jesus taught that you must repent and believe first. Repent, turn, believe, put your trust in him. Those famous verses we come back to again and again, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's first. That's what comes first. If you want to go to heaven, you are saved by grace through faith. Not of your works, not by being a good person, not of what you do. Don't brag that you're a good person. What comes after that, after we put our trust in Jesus, that's what faith is. Secondly, verse 10, he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The order is absolutely critical. Salvation, good works. If you, if you mess up the order, you're going to mess up everything. Jesus said this, John 8, 51, Most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Well, what was Jesus' word? I, I, want, I don't want to see death. What, what, was he, what was his word? I want to be risen from the dead like he was. I want to just close my eyes, absent from the body, present with the Lord, the thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise. That's what I want. What do I do? First step, faith. Repent. Believe. Put your trust in Jesus. Next step, obey his commands. Live a life that Christ would have for you to live and that he says he calls in Ephesians 2, good works that God prepared beforehand. See, part of our sinful nature is uh, we don't like to be told what to do. Have you noticed that about yourself? And, and I tell you what, all the years in business and, and being in customer service of my own company really taught me a lot about that. I would pick up the phone. We used to use these things called telephones. We actually used them to call although I hear that's coming back in style, and, and the people would tell me what to do. And if I said no, they would take their business elsewhere. So that was really good for me. God was really training me uh, in that. So a lot of us don't like to be told what to do. Others of us will only do what we are told to do. Neither one of those are really, really good things, I would say. Whereas Jesus had no problem doing what the Word of God said, and found it to be a blessing obeying the Lord because it's the, one of the ways that he experienced God's love, and it will be the same for us too. You know, when you obey the Lord, that will help a lot of you rise up above what we often talk about here, the, the low level of guilt that so many of you live with. Or some of you live with crushing guilt. And a lot of times... Uh, it's this perceived mediocrity of your Christian life because you always think that you're not doing enough. But what about the simple things that God asks for you to do that you're just faithful in? If you're abiding in Christ, you'll realize that those are the things that he actually wants for you to do. Jesus is teaching us that obeying the Lord will help us experience more of his love and will further help us to dig deeper and to discover more about his love.
But again, this is not just talk. A lot of, a lot of talk about God's love. This is the actual experience of divine, supernatural love. Listen to what Jesus prays a couple chapters later. John 17, he's praying to his father before the cross. John 17, verse 25 and 26, he says this. O righteous father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known uh, these uh, have known that you sent me. Who are, the, who, the, who are these? His followers. And I have declared to them, his followers, your name and will declare it. Look at this, what he says next about us. That the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. It, it, it's true from verse 9, that there is a similarity of love between the Father and the Son and Jesus and his followers. If that's true, there must be a similarity in rewards too. Clearly, studying the life of Jesus, Jesus saw obedience as the blessed life. Jesus saw obedience as the path to honor and glory. And I don't think there's any reason why we can't see obedience out of love for God as, as the blessed life and as a path for honor and glory. Because the, the reality is, the more Christ-like we are, the more we will experience the rewards of the Christian life on earth and in heaven. But it's not a mechanical doing. It comes out of abiding in his love. See, for a follower of Jesus, he said, my, life would, my love would be in them, my life would be in them. The life of Christ, through the person and power of the Spirit, is within us, and it is fueled by the power of the Word of God, love from above, and the divine power of God. Now, we have to remember what we learned in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 10, 39. Jesus said, he who finds his life will lose it, <clears throat> excuse me, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. I'm just going to tell you from personal experience, the only way I have found that to be even remotely possible in my own life is to continue to gaze at Jesus, it is, is to continue to preach the gospel to myself, is to continue to make a daily appearance at the foot of the cross, and look up, look up at him and think, that should have been me. That should have been me. And to be so thankful for what he did for me. After we have received Christ, the Lord Jesus has work for us to do. Remember Ephesians 2.10, which God, works which God prepared beforehand. But we come to Jesus earlier, verse 2, 8, and 9, not of works, but by the grace of God. So we put it this way, theologians put it this way, way, we are saved unto good works that were created for us that we should do them. Now, that word should is interesting. Does it, does it mean you ought to do that or that God has commanded you to do them? I think both are the case. Once again, it's an important concept to understand that few things will hinder you and keep you out of heaven 
like thinking you are saved by your own good works. You're not. We are saved by the work of Jesus Christ, which is life, death, resurrection, ascension into heaven. But just as deceptive is after you say that you've put your trust in Jesus, thinking that good works don't matter or how you live doesn't matter. Now, some of you might be saying right about now, I know all this. Pastor Jim, you have taught us this so many times. Okay, I get it. And the Bible teaches it over and over again. So here's the soul-searching question. Where do you know it? Notice I didn't say, how do you know it? I didn't say, how long did you, do you, have you known it? I said, where do you know it? Do you know it in your head? Or you, do you know it in your heart? And can you actually point to certain things in your life that you would say, it's actually demonstrated in my hands and my feet. It's demonstrated in my service. It's, it's, it's demonstrated in my generosity. That I, my whole way of thinking has changed. Church is not supposed to be a social club. There's a social aspect to it. A lot of people say, well, I go to that church because that's where all my friends go. Church is the place where we worship God. We're fed God's word. We hear from God. And then, and then we live it uh, life among one another and we go out to others in the world. See, some people just obey because they should. Some people are just really, really good. My, my Pam, she's just really, really good. If you know her, she's just, she is just a good, she's a, what we'd call a good person. She's just really good. I, you know, and I, there's still sometimes it comes out, but, but I got to tell you, before I was a Christian, I was a total snake. <laughs> and, and, and so some people are just really good, and other people, others of us are anything but that. But that, in effect, doesn't even really matter. Do we do what we do for God because we're supposed to or because we're united to Christ? The difference is huge. One is walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God, and the other is just living their life. You could say living in the flesh. But to walk in the power of the Spirit, according to the Word of God, according to the way God says to live your life, and that's why we study the Scriptures very, very carefully here at Calvary Chapel, is to be freed from the prison of self. You see, when you're freed from the prison of self, this is what happens. In your life, the commands of God are as meaningful to you as the promises of God. Now, some of you just went, what? What? I have, I have three Bible promise books on my, on my dresser, Pastor Jim. I have no commands of God books on my dresser. They don't sell. People don't want them. They always want to know what God is going to do for me and not what God asks of me. But, but the person who is abiding, the person who is truly close to God, who has God's love just being poured into them, values the commands of God as much as the promises of God. Many, many Christians say, 
they want God's will. And they should. But it's important to remember that God's will includes his commands. We often think God's will is who do I marry, where do I work, what do I, where do I live, that kind of stuff. But it also includes his commands. And that, according to Jesus, his commands and our obedience of them is, is a key to abiding. Why? Because it keeps the life of the vine flowing into the branches. And if we, by, by not even caring about obeying the commands of God, what do we do? We detach ourselves from the vine. We detach ourselves from the vine. I wonder how many self-proclaimed Christians have Jesus' teaching of the fruitful life, have de- Jesus' teaching of the abiding life, in their hearts, flowing through their veins. A few weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 1 talking about the blessed man. Psalm 1, 2 says this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. We said that that God's law, just don't think of it as rules, but think of it as God's wisdom and God's power coming from above. You see, The commands of God represent the heart of God, which reveals the character of God and the love of God to you and to me. The more we obey his commands and confess when we fail, the more authentic our experience, the love of God, will be. Plus, the more we will be like Jesus, the one who died on the cross for us and calls us to believe in him, to trust in him, to follow in his ways, to follow him and to serve him. But before you get all down on yourself, remember this. Fruit takes time to grow. Fruit takes time to grow. And it said at the beginning of the chapter that God was the vine dresser. God the Father was the vine dresser. He was was the gardener. That shows that he is involved in our lives. And so give yourself to him and allow God over time to make you more and more fruitful. Is Jesus our example? Yes, But the gospel of Jesus Christ, the scripture tells us, is also the power of God unto salvation. If you've never trusted in Jesus, you can today and know that you're going to heaven. And it's the way to a joy-filled and love-filled life. You know, there's an old expression that I came across this week, and I hadn't read it in a long time, and I thought it's just so very true. Our problem, it goes like this, our problem is not that we ask too much from God, Our problem is that we ask too little from him. Imagine a life. Imagine your life. Imagine a church where people obey the word of the Lord, not because they have to, but because it is an expression of their love for Jesus. What a blessing that person would be. What a blessing that church would be. That's real faith. That's real faith. 
As Jesus says in chapter 15, that's a branch, and there's a progression of it that, that bears fruit, and then Jesus says after that there's more fruit, and after that he says there's much fruit. And as we saw in verse 11, such a life, Jesus says, you will have my joy and not just a little bit of it. You will have my joy to the fullest, to the full. May God take these things and make them a reality in our lives. And may we experience the authentic, not the phony, but the authentic love of God. And that, may that be the driving force in each of our lives, in the lives of our church, in our online community. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's pray. Well, Lord, we